You're listening to another edition of the New Life Men's Podcast from New Life Church in Colorado Springs, featuring stories and conversations designed to strengthen and encourage you in your spiritual journey. Here's men's pastor, Gabe Jenkins. Welcome back to the podcast. We are excited to have Alan Arnold joining us in the studio today. And I just served him up probably the most average cup of coffee he will ever drink. I asked you, I was going to ask you, Alan, how's the cup of coffee? And if you said good, I was going to question everything else you said today. No, no, no. Like on a <laughs> one to 10 scale with 10 the best, it's it's probably about a 0. 0.5. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's, see, this is an honest man. But and it's you coffee. Can, and you can yeah. trust what he's going to say today because of his honesty. But uh, we're going to continue our conversation that we've been having the last uh, several weeks on sonship. And today we're going to talk a lot about how important it is for us as men to understand our identity and, and how that really correlates to true intimacy with the Father. And this is something, Alan, I know you've been on a journey, a personal journey, right. to really discover this in your life. And so I'd love for you just to start by by uh, saying a little bit about what what kind of story, what kind of journey have you been on as you've discovered your identity as a son? Thanks, Gabe. Well, absolutely. And when I started this journey from really in my teens, 20s on, I, I believed identity. If you would have asked me back then, I'm 51 now, and if you would have asked me in those decades, 20s, 30s, out of college, career, I would have said identity is based on what you do. It's based on what you do. So the more you do and the more you accomplish, the better your identity is. Mm-hmm. You, you are what you do. And so I was a very driven striving man, and it worked really well. I was an executive, um, and and part of that was having a large team and getting a lot done. So 50, 60-hour weeks were typical, sometimes more. If I was on vacation, I was getting multitasking, getting work done at the expense of family, and trying to do both and, and not doing either very well, but I was constantly on the go. In fact, uh, there's a story I've shared with you, Gabe, but that really crystallizes this. And it was at this publishing company I worked at. This was before 9-11, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But we had an author video that we were going to shoot. An author uh, who had just written a book, we were traveling to shoot this video of him talking about the book. So I had the video crew with me. The plane was boarding. I got distracted. The crew got on the plane. It was a small commuter plane. And uh, I look around, and, and the boarding area is empty. So I run to the front desk and talk to the lady there and said, hey, I've, I've, I've got to get on this flight. I somehow missed when you guys were boarding. And there's a large plate glass window behind her. I saw the plane out there. And she said, no, I'm sorry, the plane's already left. I'm like, what do you mean the plane's already left? Like, it's right there. It's right there. I just got to, I need to get on it. Please let me on. And she said, nope, we've given your seat away and doors closed. And sorry, you, you're out of luck. And she walked off. Well, I was such a determined, driven person. I really believed that I could do anything at that point. And so she walks away, and I just walk out the emergency door (laughs) onto the tarmac (laughs) where the plane is and stand in front of this commuter plane. I basically was facing down this plane. And again, if if it was after 9-11, somebody would have shot me or or tackled me. Uh, But in this situation, the pilot gets off the plane, out of the plane, walks down to me, and I basically convinced the pilot 
to make this person who they gave my seat to on standby to get off the plane. <laughs> and I get on the plane. And and everybody, of course, on the plane was furious at me, except for the video crew. <laughs> but to me, it was just this relentless belief that I have to make it happen. I have to do the impossible, and I have to do it in my own strength. And so, you know, that was applauded by bosses, and it was applauded within corporations because, man, hand it to this guy. He'll get it done. And even there was a fortune cookie, Gabe, that I had on my desk at the time that said, the one who says it can't be done should get out of the way of the one already doing it. And that's how I saw myself is, don't say it can't be done. I'll do it. I'll make it happen. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I did most of the time. And for a season, it worked or seemed to work. Mm -hmm. But I had no idea what it meant to be a son because my whole identity was tied, again, in doing and what looked successful financially, what was rewarded, was slowly just causing my heart to uh, shut down. Yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about, you said something, Alan, that was really important. You said, I have to do this. If this is going to get done, I have to do this. And you're carrying that pressure right. on your shoulders. Right. And I think a lot of men find themselves in that place, maybe even subconsciously, but there is this pressure they feel deep down in that really this is up to me. Right. And if I don't come through, it's not happening. Right. And that's the orphan spirit. Because you can believe in God and still live like an orphan. Mm -hmm. If you believe it's all up to you, or if you believe, yeah, God's there, but he's given me the strength and the mind and the ability to get things done. So really now he kind of expects me to make it happen. Well, that's living like an orphan. And that's not living in sonship. That's not living with the understanding of what a good father is. And so you do believe it's all up to you. And the problem is uh, it's never enough because no matter what you accomplish the next day, you have to do it again. And then the stakes get higher and you have to do it again. And then what do you do when it all starts to fall apart? Because if it's all up to you and it's starting to fall apart, well, then if your identity is tied to that, you must be a failure or you must not have what it takes or God must not be present. So you start to go to some mm -hmm. really bad conclusions about you, mm -hmm. toxic really conclusions about you, about others, about God. And it just further causes, I think, men to live as orphans, as unfathered people. And so what I'm, my whole mission now really is to help people know what is it like to live with God? What is it like to leave this orphan mindset and really embrace what sonship is? Because that changes everything. It does change everything. And this is a daily process. Right. I, I know it from my life, my experience. And then I have the privilege of sitting with men day after day and listening to their stories and, and hearing them describe where they're at. Just yesterday, I sat with a man who said, with tears in his eyes, he said, I feel like work has me pinned down, literally pinned down to the ground and is holding me down. And so we started to unpack how he ended up mm. there. And it was the orphan journey. Early on, he, he believed deep down in that it was up to him. And that just kept going and going and going. He took on more work because he was trying to prove something that he had what it takes. Right. And it led him down this this road where now he's saying, I'm overwhelmed. I feel pinned down. 
And so now we're, we're trying to work through this, okay, well, what truly is your responsibility? Right. What is your role and what is God's role? Right. Because orphans confuse that all the time. Orphans will try to do God's job for him. Right, and orphans also give so many other things, gave the power to validate them. So if you're, if you're living like an orphan and you give work, your career, the power to validate you, what you're also doing in that exact moment is giving work, your job, the power, your boss to invalidate you. And that's what happens mm-hmm. is you, you put your identity in anything except being a son and ultimately, whatever you give that power to, whether that's your spouse, by the way, your children, your boss, your calling, your, your creativity, whatever you give it to other than the father and other than you being a son, over time, that will turn and invalidate yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's so important. In other words, who are we giving the power to name us? Right. And orphans, orphans walk around with blank name tags, yeah. and they're constantly, and if something falls apart, you know, if the marriage starts to not go well, then that's why men are workaholics, I think, so many times. Well, their family life is kind of in shambles, or their marriage is, but man, they're getting applause and they're getting bonuses at work. <laughs> not to think right with my math. But what, what I'm hearing you say is, it's so important for us as men, as sons, to have an expectant heart, to truly believe that God is an engaged father, that he's perfectly good, that he loves you with a love that's indescribable. You just have to experience it. And so on a daily basis, no matter what you're facing, no matter what the challenges are, Approach that situation from the posture of, I'm a beloved son. I have a father who's perfectly good, and he's already at work. And so I just have to discover what my role is in this. Exactly. And there has to be intimacy tied into your identity as a son. In other words, imagine if you're a dad, uh, and if you're not, just kind of go with me on this analogy. If If you're a father and your son was asking you for advice and basically you just left a note and would never show up to meet with, with your son, but you left notes that said, hey, I've got a manual right here. Um, just read the whole manual and figure out what part of this applies to this situation, but I don't have time to talk to you. And actually, I'm not gonna talk to you, but I've left, I've left a whole notebook of, of notes in the garage. So just go figure it out. We would say on a human level, man, that's, that's, that's the terrible dad. Like, he's not gonna talk to his son. Well, God has left us scripture, and that's essential. But, but he also invites us into intimate conversation. And so part of it is you have to believe God still speaks because you can't have intimacy with someone who never talks to you and who, who you can't talk to, or it's just one-way communication. So part of being a son is knowing my father didn't just leave me a notebook in the garage. Mm-hmm even though that notebook is invaluable and it's the foundation, but he also, I can ask him questions. I can hear his voice. John 10.10 is very clear. My sheep hear my voice. So we can hear his voice. God still speaks. He didn't stop speaking somehow or get laryngitis when, when scripture was put together. In fact, all of scripture is about him speaking with, engaging with men and women who were his sons and daughters. So the whole manual, scripture, 
is about a father who speaks to his sons and daughters, and he still does. And so that intimacy absolutely is needed because without that, you know, um, boy, you can't get Gabe that project done at home. Well, um, turn to Philippians and try to find the answer there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's both. That's both good advice and inadequate advice. In that, your father actually is right with you, mm-hmm. and so it's more intimate than just flipping through pages to to even living scripture. It's you've got a father right there. Mm-hmm. That father who created scripture created it as an invitation into intimacy. Mm-hmm. That's his letter to us to be his sons and daughters. So we've got the letter, but we also get to be sons and daughters with him right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so often uh, the way God has fathered me is he's taken me to the scriptures. And he said, son, I want to take this truth right here. Right. And I want to plant that so deep in your heart that it changes you. Right. And I like what you said. It's the same father. He's the same creator. The author of the scriptures is the same father who's engaged on a on a a daily basis. Now, this is you're a deep well when it comes to sonship and understanding God as a father. And I recently uh, am so proud of you because you wrote a book called The Story of With, which you graciously gave me a copy, and I couldn't put it down. It was rich, it was deep, it was intriguing. And so, just take a minute and explain kind of the heart of your book, which is called The Story of With. Yeah, Gabe. Well, the the story of With. It really is mostly an allegory, so it's it's not a novel, but it's it's an allegory. It's a it's a story that basically invites us deeper into our story, because my my premise in it is most people live in what I would call the orphan realm, and I'm talking about most Christians. They they know about God, but they don't do life with God actively, intimately with Him, and so this is a story that takes people into what does it look like in a very surreal, um, page-turning way. The story invites people into what does it look like to go through life with expectancy, knowing your identity, with intimacy with God. And yet it takes place, uh, I mean, there's this psychotic raven that's that's chasing this person through um, oceans and deserts. And it's, so it's, it's a book that I think people will get through. It's about, you know, a quick read. You can read it in a couple of hours, but it really shows a better way to live, a better way to love, and a better way to pursue your work, your creativity, your gifting. And story often is the gateway to the quickest understanding. That's why movies, TV shows, songs with story help us immediately go, oh my gosh, I'm tearing up. Like, I, I I don't even know, what, like this song, what's making me do that? Well, it's a gateway, a shortcut to the heart. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope a, the story of With will be mm-hmm. for people. When I read that book, it was, uh, as, I, as I said, I had a hard time putting it down. And it was compelling. And I found myself, because it is an allegory, I, I wanted to find out, well, what's going to happen in this story? But there were so many deep truths seated in the story. And so you took this deep revelation about sonship. And you made it very accessible. It's very practical. And uh, so I just want to say, well done. And the other thing, Alan, is as I was reading your book, the truths that you write about are the same truths that I see in your life Mm -hmm. as I watch you and observe you live out your life. And so there's your life is in alignment with the message you put in this book. And that's important because you're not just saying, hey, everybody go do this. 
what you're saying is, this is the life I'm living. I'm living a life of sonship, and you're inviting people into that story. Well, thanks, Gabe. I, I, I'll just say the book really focuses on the journey of a son or daughter, and, and the protagonist of the allegory is is a woman, um, but it, it it's not about gender, about male or female. It's simply about the journey that each son or daughter of God is on. And the main thing I think that you need, that I need, that we all need is a deeper understanding and it continues deeper every day of what is sonship? What is it being a daughter or son of God? When I wake up in the morning, one of the four themes of the book is expectancy. That changes everything because I, I don't immediately look to my iPhone or the news or the drama at home. Before my feet even touch the ground, it's, okay, God, what do, what do you have for me today? As your son and knowing you're a good father, I'm expectant. And all day long, from the phone calls that are unexpected to the ups and downs of work to um, financial issues, everything is seen through that lens of mm-hmm. expectancy. Mm-hmm. Well, boy, when you're, and by the that's so different than expectations. I'm not talking about my expectations. That's the opposite. That's, that's an orphan mindset of here's my list of expectations. If these happen, my day's good. If these don't, my day is bad. That's the opposite of expectancy, which is, God, whatever you're inviting me into, however you want the day to go, instead of seeing a day as derailed, it's simply different than I thought. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a new adventure. Yeah, this is going to be worth your time, Ben, to go deeper in this message. Again, it's called The Story of With. Uh, by Alan Arnold. So and Alan, it's, it's only on Amazon. So the way to get the book, uh, either as an ebook or a physical book, is through Amazon, mm-hmm. and they can look it up by my name or the title. Beautiful. Why don't you close by just praying over the men listening? You know, this idea of of paying attention to what the Father is doing today. I think that'd be uh, an appropriate way to close the yeah, podcast. Yeah, let's do. Father, we right now just long to be more and more your sons. We are your sons. Now help us live like sons. We've never been an orphan, but help us stop living like an orphan. And Father, I pray for every person listening right now in their car, at home, at the gym, wherever they're listening to this podcast, God, take them deeper into sonship. Mm -hmm. And do that not by them striving to be a son, but by you showing them your identity as Father. When we see you as Father, when we understand we can trust you, lean into you without knowing all the answers, then God, you can Father us in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. So I pray a spirit of sonship on every man listening. God, take them deeper into life as your son. Reveal to them their identity. Reveal to them what intimacy with you looks like. And Father, take them on a wild adventure, a road trip, father and son, together. And and let each man see their life like that. No matter what the challenges, struggles are, God, let them rest in you as a son who just goes, I know my dad's got it under control. I don't know the answers. I don't know how this is going to work out. It seems impossible to me but that's because I'm the son. I don't have to have the answers. I've got a father who has the answers. So that's the prayer. Be a son. You have to do less, and you get to be more. You get to be 
a son of a good, good father. I pray that in Jesus' name over every person listening. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, man.